0: Thank you for downloading this episode of Heartland Talks. My name is Rasmus Christgaard, and I'm the Programme Director of Talks at Heartland Festival. The talk you're about to hear is about the meaning of ego. It's a live conversation that took place in front of 2,500 people in our Talks tent on a glorious Sunday at Heartland Festival in June 2017. The conversation is between Michael Stipe and Douglas Copeland, Michael Stipe is an American artist, activist, and musician who, among other things, is known as the lead singer of R.E.M. He sounds
1: like this. Well, it's obvious. You have this thing in your pocket and suddenly you can take a picture of anything. The one thing that is always there is you. Um, and We all want to look great and we all want people to think that we look great, so you can take a picture and kind of check your teeth.
0: Douglas Copeland is a Canadian writer and artist who is especially known for his novel about Generation X from 1991, and he sounds like this.
2: When I wrote that book, I thought there were maybe six people on earth who might understand it. I felt like I was documenting a, a language that was dying or a culture that was dying. I'm still surprised that that or anything
0: else
3: ever resonates with people.
0: The talk is moderated by editor Martin Krasnik. He sounds like this.
3: I mean, We didn't go around t- taking pictures of ourselves all the time before.
0: Amongst other things, they talk about the sociology behind selfies while looking at a series of photos that Michael Stipe took of himself. They talk about social media, about TV-created presidents, and they reflect on how modern technology can and will be used in the future.
3: Is this... As when you were entering a stage for a REM concert, or is it much easier? This is m- much harder. It's harder. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Good.
1: <laughs> uh, how come? <laughs> I know your reputation. I um,
3: <laughs>
1: for me. Uh, Performing uh, with the band was like breathing. There was never any stress or anxiety attached to it. Standing up at a table of eight of my closest friends to wish someone a happy 40th birthday and raise a glass is, I get, um, I go into panic attacks. (laughs) So this is very difficult, but I'm thrilled to be here. And uh, particularly thrilled uh, to be here with my great friend, Doug.
3: Welcome to both of you to Heartland Festival. Thank you. Um, Thanks, Martin. What about you, Doug? I mean, is this, this like when you are you know, starting a new novel, Oh. first blank page, and you have no idea what to write? Um, when an
2: idea for a novel happens inside your head, I, I, it's like getting pregnant. It's like, oh, there's the novel. And then it takes about a year and a half to Ah. get it out. Um, I I, I will say, um, I spent, before the internet, in the 1990s, an incredible amount of time in bookstores doing readings. And the thing about a bookstore is something always goes wrong. It'll be espresso machines, road traffic, noise, uh, alarm systems, babies, rude people going through or whatever. And it's nice to be in a setting like this where nothing could possibly go wrong.
3: <laughs> Good. Okay. You look so nice together. So nice together, I have to tell you. I mean, you really suit each other. I'm sure a lot of people, most people here know you, you know, individually and so on, and your music and your books and so on. But together, where did you first meet? Oh,
1: you know the date, right? Is it uh, January? January
2: 20th, 1993, at the first Bill Clinton inaugural ball, the MTV ball. And uh, I was uh, like, oh, look, oh, my God, it's Michael Stipe. So, oh, my God, like like that, like that. And this friend of mine, uh, Farai, she's like, oh, like, here, I'll introduce you. And she, it's the worst thing you can do to anyone. She's like, grabs you and says, like, you should meet. And I was just, like, so mortified. And I'm sure you were thinking, like, What a dick! No,
1: I was thrilled because I was being chased around the event by the former wife of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, What is her name? Oh, she's a journalist. She's a she's actually very smart and she's a good person. But she was a little manic that night. And at one point, she grabbed me by the necktie, pulled me down. I was standing on a platform, pulled me down, and said, "You will do an interview with me." And and I said, unhand me woman. <laughs> <laughs> <I know>. <laughs> 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 and then Doug's friend came in and went, Come meet okay. Douglas Copeland. <laughs> but you I mean so so you
3: meet and you are you
1: really like Maria it, Shriver. Her uh, name is Maria Shriver. Uh, was, oh yes, is. of
3: course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. First wife, maybe second. Former, I don't know, who cares? Right. Um, <laughs> so you've been talking ever since really. You, you you met there and you've been speaking to each other. What are you talking about? What what do you what what's the you know center uh, of your conversation? Well,
1: I mean, it started very simple. I love your work. I love your work. You're amazing. You're amazing.
3: Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> That's not applaudable, really. <laughs> that's, thank you. Thank you. That, how that's very you, generous, but it's too did, generous. How did you just do that? Give him a big applause again, and let's see if he can do it again. Come on. Mark <laughs> <him out. laughs> <laughs> we I like this. never <laughs> do it. <anything laughs> like not him, not me. <laughs> okay. So anyway, he's the big star. All right. 1991, a very interesting year. Uh, the Soviet Union collapsed, as you remember. Freedom fighters all over Eastern Europe were elected. You know, leaders of their countries. It was a year of optimism, a year of of change. History ended. People really felt that anything could happen in 1991. Uh, it was also the year that you came out with Out of Time. Uh, and you, Doc, published Generation X. To me, it was also the year Freddie Mercury died. It was a really shitty year that way. And I was 20, I was confused. I had big dreams and I, had, I didn't have any clue about what to do with them. What is the difference between 1991 and today? Basically, wow, that's good. Well,
2: I'd I'd say that the big difference is this. Mm. I mean, that's changed everything. I think the 20th century was about making big changes in the outer world, with you know, railways, roads, construction, what have you. And the 21st century is all about changes inside our heads. And I, I think that's the big difference. Mm. I think if someone were to walk around anywhere in Denmark today, just time traveling. Uh, they, it looks kind of like 1991, except everyone's doing this. Mm. Um, uh, what, what do you think the big change would be? Uh,
1: well, I mean, obvi- that was a that was a year of great change, and I think artists responded to that um, by creating work that was challenging. Uh, and I would include in that what my band had done and what Douglas did. Uh, I would agree entirely. I mean, I think the the the, the digital revolution has drawn sharp um, divisions uh, not only um, generationally, uh, but uh, in terms of worldview, how people think, what they how they approach themselves, how they approach the idea of a nation state or a country, how they approach uh, relationships with other people.
3: how they approach themselves, what does that mean? What louder you Louder. can't hear us? I'm talking as loud as I possibly can. Yeah.
1: Okay. Is that better? Okay.
3: Okay. Sorry. You said that what, one of the things that changed is the way people appro- look at themselves, approach themselves, how? Ego. <laughs> it's, <why we're, laughs> it's
1: what we're here to talk about, really. It's how the, the 21st century has presented us with an entirely different idea of who we are and how we um, uh, present ourselves uh, publicly. You don't have to be a public figure anymore to be a public figure. Mm. Uh, Well, I mean, uh,
2: in terms of how you view oneself, uh, we've got a number of dynamics happening at the same time. I think everybody wants the right to be forgotten. At the same time you want to be remembered for everywhere with your blog or your this or your that. So that makes you kind of schizo. Um, I think that I'm old enough to remember growing up in a world where you're a part of the, a product of enlightenment in the process of creating a better world and now it's like oh I'm just one more human being out of seven and a half billion human beings. <laughs> it's just sort of a leveling influence. Um, uh, and, and then there are these crazy things called selfies, which
3: kind of took over the planet. Right. Uh, Let, let's see a little uh, a thing. It's, uh, it's, it's called iPhoto Screen Snaps. And you sent it uh, to me, Mike, uh, uh, a few days ago. Let's, uh, let's see that. That's really... <laughs> it's already on. What's going on, Mike? Uh,
1: This is um, uh, 2009. Um, I had a dog who was very, very old, and um, I was called back to the town in Georgia where my family live to help her die. Uh, It was clear that she had a week to live. Um, I arrived into Athens, and she was so happy to see me that she lived for another six months. So... (laughs) which was a blessing to be able to help her uh, into, uh, into death. But I became, uh, I live in New York and Berlin. Uh, I'm hyperactive. Um, I require a great deal of stimulus and I had not very much this summer. It was quite boring. Mm. And so I started taking pictures of myself uh, as I was going to bed every night, uh, getting undressed, brushing my teeth, you know, plugging in my cell phone next to the bed. And I put them... So,
3: so this is at home, in, in front of your, ba- in your bathroom? That's my bathroom, yeah. Let's see it again while we talk. Okay. Uh, so, so, so that was, you know, uh, selfies, really.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, um, I'm not... It, it's, it's kind of... Um, it is a selfie, yeah. But I think of it more as a self-portrait. So there's a division between what, what is a selfie and what is not a selfie. But... Um, I was also 49 years old, I was about to turn 50. There might be some degree of midlife crisis happening here. <laughs> as, a, as a public figure, I felt like um, it's, going to, it's inevitable that at some point a nude uh, image of me is gonna show up online, so I may as well do it myself. And I didn't wanna throw it out there just as a you know, dick pic, because that's uninteresting. So I just took all these different, I tend to think uh, like Andy Warhol, in a series. So I took this series of images and then I just spun them together into yeah. an endless uh, gif.
3: What is it with this selfie? You mentioned it also as a brand. It's, a, it's a really a new thing. It's a big step. I don't know where to, but it is a big step. I mean, we didn't go around to- taking pictures of ourselves all the time before. Uh, well, what, 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 what is in it? The science behind the selfie is that
2: when you look at yourself in the mirror, uh, you're using a certain part of your brain, say, back there. But if you look at a photograph of yourself, or you turn the page in the paper, and there's your face, it goes to an absolutely different part of the brain. And actors have known this for a century, mm. that if you can make a super highway between that part of the brain and the other, you can become a very, very good actor, because you're able to you know, fake whatever it is you have to do for the role you're playing. So there's some science behind it. Right. Yeah. I'm sort of surprised it took as long as it did for the selfies to become a thing. Yeah. They should have happened a lot earlier, actually.
3: So so there's science and biology behind why we're doing it. What what, what do you think? Why do you think people go around taking pictures of themselves all the time?
1: Well, it's obvious. You have this thing in your pocket and suddenly you can take a picture of anything, the one thing that is always there is you. Um, And we all want to look great and we all want people to think that we look great. So you can take a picture and kind of check your teeth and make sure that your hair looks good.
3: But this is also, of course, connected. This is why we're talking about it. Connected to the theme that you chose for this talk, uh, ego. Uh, You, you, you You wrote a great novel called Generation X, of course, where, where there was a lot of discussion about, a lot of talk about ego and narcissism and individualism, and identity and so on. But this is this really different or is it just technology? Well, e- ego
2: is almost an extinct word. I mean, when I, we've been asking people, you know, we're talking about the ego in the year 2017. They're like, what? Like, p- people still have egos? And... <laughs> In, this, ego trip. Ego, in the 70s, oh, they're on an ego trip, or, you know, she's on an ego trip, or whatever. And I think it's maybe taking an old word, dusting it off, and figuring out what it now means. And it does mean selfies, and it means um, uh, uh, overposting on Facebook, sharing too much information, what have you. Um, So, it's just a reinflection of something people used to do in a different way.
3: Right, okay. So, so when you look at this new generation posting clips, videos, photos, everything about themselves all the time, how how is it different from the generation that you sort of defined in your work?
2: I I think... uh, We used to send postcards when we went somewhere, and now I don't even know if they make postcards. Uh, You had very, very little access to information, uh, nothing. I mean, imagine going to 1991 and saying, in 2017, you can have the answer to any question you ever want to ask, free, instantaneously, anywhere on earth, without judgment. I mean, you'd say, wow. That has to surely be the, the golden age of humanity. To are you serious? That can be possible, and yet here we are. And what do we do? We're like oh, next, mm. and we just want the next wave of text. Swipe
3: to go through. Swipe. 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 Yeah, swipe. Yeah. Yes. You said when we talked before that 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 uh, an absence of shame has replaced ego. Yes. Uh, what does that mean? Well
1: shame is a very low emotion, and I, I associate it with Catholicism because I'm not Catholic, but um, <laughs> but uh, I, I carry amounts of, you know, uh, regret is a low emotion, jealousy is a low emotion, envy is a low emotion, shame is a low emotion. They're way down here, and their intention is to bring us down. To ignore that is to make yourself a better person, I believe. Well, shamelessness... Uh, is, uh, I had a conversation of all places uh, in the Viper Room in Los Angeles years ago, very late at night, uh, with Dennis Rodman, the basketball player, who loved um, uh, dressing up and putting on makeup and doing all these transgressive things to freak out basketball fans. And he did a great job of that. But at this point, he was no longer um, playing basketball, and he Told me that he was going to start a TV show, which was a new idea. It was like a reality TV show, and I was like, "Well, why would you do that? Like, you're really great and you're really cool, and you don't want to do that, really?" And he's like, "Yeah, I mean, why not? Because I can. I can do it." I I don't remember exactly how the conversation came about, but what he was proposing was going from something that he was really brilliant at to something that was nothing. And I said, "It's not enough." to be famous for being famous. And he said, yes, it is. And I said, no, you're wrong. Well, as it turns out, he was right. It, mm. it is enough in 2017 to be famous just for being famous. And there's, I think, a degree of shame involved in that. I, I, I worked very hard uh, to... Put myself in a position where a room full of people like yourselves would be interested in hearing what I had to say. Why you're here, I can't say. But I I took, you know, and Douglas, I think you would say the same about the arc of your career. When we're looking at selfies and the difference between a selfie in 2017 and a self-portrait in 1991, there's a lot of difference. Yeah. Well, i got a question. Yeah. Um, you know,
2: we're both sort of, relative captains of industry. and you know, we've, we've both got names, but you've got the face. And so <laughs> when you go anywhere, I mean, I w- even here, watching you go through, there's like <gasps> the, 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 that response. How have you reconciled the fact that you've got to live with this for the next 50, 60, 70 years?
1: Well, the part of it that's really difficult is that people remember me at the age that they first fell in love with R.E.M. And so when they see me, they're shocked because I look like Father Time. (laughs) And I mean, part of 2017 is that we're all taking pictures of ourselves, but we're also running it through filters, and uh, we're lighting ourselves in a special way. And none of us want to acknowledge that we are getting older as the people that we admire get older, and that And that's something that's very difficult, I think, for the human ego to take. Right. uh, No matter what century you're in.
3: I wanted to talk about narcissism. You mentioned
1: narcissism, and I think that that's a really interesting, um, because I feel like, um, and I don't want to, I really do not want to talk about this very much, but the term narcissist has been thrown around a lot in American politics in the past, oh, let's say, year. (laughs) (laughs) And, but, at some point, I had to look, I mean, I, I feel like, and Doug and I have talked about this a lot, as a very public figure, known for one certain thing and then other things that I'm doing now. Um, I have, I somehow am able to um, contain both a massive ego and complete egolessness.
2: That's totally you. I mean, you, sure, but you have no ego. So what does that mean? I... How do you do that?
1: Well, of course I have an ego, but it's over there. It's, I, I, I think I'm able to separate myself from it and see it as something that other people see. I don't know. <laughs> maybe I need to give that more thought. I, think, but,
3: I, mean, I mean, I think maybe... I, mean, I know I'm uh, not a you're narcissist. T- you're talking about a certain person? I'm talking, we're talking about Donald Trump, of course. Uh, I won't say men- his name again. In my uh, you, did, you mentioned his name just now.
1: Well, I said it out loud because... Most people here probably speak English as a second language. Uh, But he is uh, currently the 45th president of the United States. Uh, My friends and I, in referring to politics in America, refer to that person as 45. Mm. So as not to add even in a negative way. And Andy Warhol said, there's no such thing as bad. Okay,
3: we, but, but we just have to talk just, just for a minute or two about what's that about, the connection between the phenomena of ego in our times and, and this. Let's just say hello briefly to the guy, the president that we are talking about. Can we run that clip? Oh. Not talk too much
1: Grab on my waist and put that body on me Come and now follow my lead Come, come and now follow my lead mm-hmm. I'm in love with the shape of you We push and pull like a magnet too. Although my heart is falling too I'm in love with the body And last night you in my room And now my head sheets smell like you Every day discovering something brand new I'm in love with your body All oh, I know. Okay. <laughs> Nobody up here was laughing. I just threw up in my mouth like three times. Uh, that song kind of irritates me because what about the mind? Who, 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 whose song I'm in love with your mind. That's a much more romantic thing to say.
3: What, um, is, why, <laughs> what, what, is, what is the connection between the, in the role of ego, the narcissism... The selfies, the technology, and that guy.
1: The, narcissism, uh, the, the definition of narcissism is someone who is not aware that they are in love with themselves. I think that that has changed with, with the advent of digital technology. And, and, and are the, the definition is shifting to include people who are completely aware that they are in love with themselves, but they're presenting that in a way that is absolutely contemporary and perhaps a little bit frightening. Mm -hmm. Uh, I am
2: very ambivalent to admit in public that I was actually watching Donald 45's reality show for two seasons on TV. And it was really great. And... uh, And I just can imagine all the things they didn't include in it. So when I saw almost the identical dynamic and process, I thought, oh, you know what? It's probably going to happen. And it happened. Mm. A very, very strange election night. I remember that. Where were were you on election night?
1: Uh, New York. I voted in New York. Mm. Okay. Sucked. I know. I went into a movie. I went to see Captain... uh, 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 Professor Strange? What's, who's the... Strange? Benedict Cumberbatch plays... Professor... What is it? Thank you. Do- I'm not a... Um, I haven't read comic books since 1971. But uh, Doctor Strange, I we, when it looked like it was going in the wrong direction, we were like, let's just go catch a movie. This sucks.
3: But we're talking about this phenomenon as... I mean, you're talking about this. You're giving him a, him a number? Almost as if it's something that will go away and not come back. Well,
1: hopefully ever. there will be what a 46th president of the United there States. There will be
3: another one, and hopefully. maybe, but the combination of the factors that you're talking about might produce another one just like him. Say that again. And the combination of technology, narcissism, reality TV, oh, well, uh, modern culture might create another one. Uh, I, I
2: think that what is happening here is that we have these really astonishing new technologies, and we're really only now figuring out how to work with them. And so I, I was in Germany when the Brexit happened, the vote, and of course everyone woke up that morning like, oh my god. And, and I, I think in a weird way, I think democracy needs a, a morning after pill. Or that, <laughs> <laughs> you <Thank> you. <laughs> you. know, and it does become a question, okay, if after the first Brexit vote, it's like, oh God, what the hell were we thinking? They had another one a week later. Would it be a different result or would it be the same results, just with more votes? Mm. And then you, how do you have a third vote? And, a, and then it gets out of control. And... And I think a lot of people came away from that experience thinking like, oh, boy, like, you only get one vote. It only happens once. And I think people are going to be a lot more careful in how they use that vote in the future. Uh, Any thoughts?
1: Yeah, I mean, in a way, Brexit and also what happened in the U.S. was a reaction to the status quo and in the U.S. to Washington and the idea of this, like, uh, career politician who, is so out of touch with the American people that uh, we're going to vote for the wild card. And we saw that on the left and the right. On the left, obviously, with the advent, the rise of Bernie Sanders, who I supported. uh,
3: Um, uh, uh,
2: If Bernie Sanders had run in Canada, he would have won instantly. Like, just not even a question. He would have won. Yeah.
1: Um, And we just saw the same thing in France with uh, Macron and Le Pen, both represent uh, themselves as people who are not a part of the two
3: main parties, uh, and they were the ultimate choice. But couldn't you, I mean, couldn't you say that, that I, I, I mean, wouldn't it be quite fair to say actually that a guy like Donald Trump, in combination with modern technology, is giving people Maybe he's right. He is giving a people a voice, a He's giving people an outlet for frustration, uh, anger, no, no, not at this cost. I'm sorry. Well, yes, but yes, maybe not at it. Maybe the cost seems high, but it, I mean, that's not his fault, is it? I, he,
1: I didn't want to talk about him in the first place. So let's yeah. <laughs> let's move on from that. But I do feel like, you know, he I mean, I'm, whatever this is. Uh, we've all read this article a few times. He just knows how to manipulate media. Mm. And he really is a creation of media. He is, we're watching the world's biggest and most frightening and most, in a way, entertaining reality TV show happen in real time. Mm. Uh, The stakes are too high. This is is no longer. Mm -hmm. All right. This is no longer entertainment. This is no longer something that you tune into um, between six and seven, uh, seven and eight o'clock on a Thursday night. Mm. It's not funny
3: right. anymore. I think when, 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 when we do a little you know, thing like this with this video, someone put together that, that song and Donald Trump, of course, but, it's obvious that you don't find it funny. It's obvious that you think that any publicity for this guy is, is bad. It makes you think of Andy Warhol's uh, point that there's no such thing as bad publicity. publicity, And you think that's true for this guy? I think this proves it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 It's Dick Cheney, uh, the former vice president, did kind of the same thing where he shot his best friend in the face as the vice president. Mm -hmm. And rather than any kind of public apology or any. uh, any kind of like stepping back from this, or mm. uh, he he pinned it to his chest like a like a badge of oh. honor. Yes. Look at yeah. what a badass I am. Right. Well, you're
3: not a badass.
1: You're stupid. I mean, that's a dumb thing to do.
3: But, so 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 let's 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 jump back and let's forget about American politics for a while okay. and All then, right. then talk you. about this 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 technology and culture that we were talking about, where people feel obliged to tell everybody how they feel right now. Maybe you can explain this. Maybe you can explain, uh, Doc. Uh, What I really don't understand. What makes people constantly write a little text with a picture of their wife or their kids saying, Melanie, 10 years after, I still love you. But not to her, to everybody. Or uh, my son, whoever, I'm so proud of you. And a little picture of an 11-year-old boy. I mean, what, what sense does it make? I simply do not understand why people are doing that. I mean, I,
2: everybody. I mean,
3: because probably half of you is doing it all the time. Why are they doing it all the time? Well,
2: I, I think that everyone wants their life to have meaning. I think everyone wants to live inside a community. Uh, Everyone wants to be remembered forever.
3: Why do you want everybody every day to know that you love your wife still?
2: Um, I, I personally, Twitter and Facebook it makes my life feel like homework, and so I really don't go on it very much. Are, are
1: you? You're big on Instagram. I'm on Instagram haltingly, uh, kind of as a joke, and I've quit it twice, I think, and came back to it. I've never been on Facebook. Uh, I'm not interested in it. I've never been on Twitter. I was at the, when they had a launch party, uh, I was at the party. I was one of the first things that anyone ever tweeted about it. As It turns out Michael Stipe just walked in and it, my friend said, watch, watch this. And he went, hit send. And I'm like, what are we watching? And he, everyone went, Psst. and then they all looked up and started going like this. <laughs> okay. um, yeah. And I said, well, that's fascinating. Where's it gonna, like, where, where do we go from here? Yeah.
2: We we, we were having dinner with Werner Herzog two nights ago, and he was asking, "Are you on social media?" And I go, "A little bit." Like, "Well, what about you?" Like, "No, it's just not my thing." But uh, he said, "Yeah, there are ten or twelve fake Werner Herzogs out there who write all these really weird things about him, and they'll even put their name down as the writer. People still believe it about." Herzog. It's, yeah. uh, I, mean, I think there was one or two fake memes, there must be a lot of fake news out there. Yeah, there are. Yeah.
3: But how, how does it affect people, do you think? I mean, Mike, you, you remember, of course, the song Supernatural Super Serious. Yeah. It was your second last album. Album, yeah. Uh, 90, uh, uh, 2008, 2008, I think. Yeah. And the text is, you remember, Supernatural Super Serious?
1: It's a great, it's one of my favorite songs. Is it? But yeah, actually. Okay. I, I didn't tell you earlier. Okay, so but.
3: maybe you can, you can join me. It goes, at the summer camp where you volunteered, no one saw your face, no one saw your fear. If that apparition had just appeared, took you up and away from this base and sheer humiliation. Those are great lyrics. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I can say that as a joke, but I really believe it as well. And so there you have the ego. It's about
3: it. being a teenager. It's a teenager who volunteers to join a summer camp. Yeah. And about the feelings of this person, it's about humiliation yeah. and fear. And it goes, the humiliation of your teenage station, nobody cares, no one remembers, nobody cares. and nobody... Yes. Yeah, that's really, you know, in short, how it is to be a teenager. Yeah, it's not like that anymore, is it? Or how did that change?
1: It changed because now you have a much larger audience than in the song. It's 1973. It's vaguely biographical, autobiographic. Um, and um, we weren't on social media. These things did not exist. And so if I, was in, if I humiliated myself in a circle of seven people who came together to do a seance to raise the ghost of Harry Houdini, and I had this epiphanal moment where I see the specter of Harry Houdini, and I go, he's alive, he's alive, he's alive, and I burst into tears, and everyone's like, what is your problem? He's really He's really stupid maybe those seven people would go and tell seven other people, and that was it. Right. Uh, Now, uh, it goes out to your entire list of followers.
2: I mean, is it the same seance where you tried to bring back the ghost of John F. Kennedy? Yes. And and, and I thought, you know, even in heaven, John F. Kennedy's probably got a pretty busy schedule, like, it's like, oh, Mr. Kennedy, sir, there's an 11-year-old teenager in some small town in Texas that would like you to come down and visit their seance, like, okay. uh, even in heavy heaven being busy. Mm.
3: Some of you, uh, one of you, I don't remember who mentioned uh, this T-shirt. It's uh, called Teen up there with you. Let's see it. Uh, It's about being in your 50s and wearing this Uh, specific t-shirt. Where is it? Here. (laughs) Oh. How embarrassing. (laughs) Uh That guy is not in his uh, 50s, obviously. uh, So that's uh, (laughs) that's cheating anyway.
2: I I had this t-shirt. It said, uh, I miss my pre-internet brain, which that was eight years ago, now I don't even remember it, but we put them on some teenage fashion models, and it just became ri- ridiculous because they don't have a pre-internet brain. And then it's like, oh well what do they have? And yeah. uh, One thing that's happening on a global level is uh, neural homogenization, and that because we're all using the same technologies with the same interfaces, we actually have a lot in common now with people who we w- would never have had that much in common with, and Uh, I mean, the big divisions now seems to be PC or Mac, it's uh, and if you live in a small cave in that rural Mongolia you can still shop for Calvin Klein towels or something, there is a sort of flattening influence that's happening in the world, and if you look back, we're, we're both of us big, big fans and readers of Andy Warhol and his works and I mean, you—he kind of got things right a long time ago,
3: didn't he? Did yeah. He was very prescient. How how is it to—I mean—at one point, obviously both of you were were not just around the center of 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 your generation; you were the center of your generation. When mid 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 eighties, something like that, end eighties. You were if you were. If someone had to, uh, were asking, give me a person or a few persons who, who are, you know, the the center of their generation and popular culture. You would I, be the ones.
2: I think be, being a member of a generation is embarrassing. What? Being a member of a generation is. Is g- it embarrassing? Is it yeah, I, I, I. When I wrote that book, I thought there were maybe six people on earth who might understand it. I felt like I was documenting a language that was dying or a culture that was dying. I'm still surprised that that or anything else ever resonates with people. Um, and Andy Warhol also said that you should never get something that you want. You should get it after you wanted it or you didn't want it to begin with. So this, I didn't even want this thing, whatever it was. It's mm. just like, oh God, I'm stuck with it.
3: Maybe Andy Warhol actually saw something and worked with something that 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 is still with us and was in some kind of uh, eternal. He he influenced your work, both of you, yes, very much. Very much. And Andy and Warhol. How?
2: Uh, by the way, I never met him, but you did. I met him. H- yeah. How how would it go?
3: He um, he told me I
1: was cute. <laughs>
2: he was hitting on you, right? He was hitting on me.
1: Yeah. yeah okay. It was. It, I was very flattered. Uh, I was cute. I was 26. I had just come through um, a year and a half. Um, uh, I had a complete emotional breakdown uh, and went to some very dark places. And then I came through that and grew my hair and bleached it blonde, and I started wearing red uh, makeup for eyebrows and a French beret hat, and um, and that's what I looked like when I met Andy.
2: And, and your voice hadn't changed yet, so it was like my voice.
1: Well, it's hello, Mr. Warhol. <laughs> it's so nice to meet you, sir. Well, it's before I realized that. To be heard, I have to shout all the time. So since about 1988, I've been shouting when I talk. My actual speaking voice is, uh, hold on, it's more like this. This is, this, is, this is what I sounded like before 1988. And no one, everyone's like, what is he saying, uh, who cares? So I started shouting, and I've been shouting ever since. All right, okay. You're and it works. Right. Warhol um, told me I was cute. I said, thank you. He said, what do you do? And I said, I'm a singer in a band. And he said, oh, you're a pop star. And I said, no, I'm a singer in a band. And he said, you're a pop star. And I went, "Yeah, no, oh. I'm a singer in a band. <laughs> and he said, can I have your phone number?
3: Oh. <laughs> Did he, I, he ever call? So I, so I
1: said, sure. Did he call? I don't know, because I didn't have an answering machine. I couldn't afford one mm-hmm. uh, at the time. So he might have called. Who knows what direction my life would have gone in <laughs> at that point. But... We were photographed together by
3: a friend. What was was it he he was doing that influenced you?
2: Oh boy, I remember being eight years old and looking in the World Book Encyclopedia, 1970, for something else. Under P was pop art, and there was a soup can and a Roy Lichtenstein jet being shot down. Like that's it. I want that. I'm modeling my life on that. And it's never changed one bit. Um, I like that he actively engages with popular culture, which is a a taboo in the literary world. It's a taboo in much of the art world. But pop culture is what you live and breathe. Why not manipulate it and create something new with it?
1: I think he, in many ways, influenced more than just a generation of artists uh, because of his prescience, because he really understood where culture was going before it got there. And his writing, his work, still resonates uh, beyond the art world and the machinations of value of a painting. Uh, He is, I think, one of the most, um, easily, one of the most uh, influential people of the 20th century.
3: Yeah. But, but he was before the new technology. Uh,
1: but uh. yes, but I, I feel like his um, that flatness that he had was showing us the way forward yeah. in a way. What we have now instead of egos or ego trips are this shattered idea of who we are created to be presented to our public, whoever our public are. If you're a 12-year-old girl um, in grammar school, uh, if you're... uh, I get requests on Instagram from kids that are 9 and 10 years old. I don't know how they arrived at me, but there they are. And they have... I, I go and look, you know, sometimes I'm like, wow, this kid has 200, 300, 400 pictures on Instagram.
3: What do you mean a shattered idea of who we are? I mean, the idea everything of is, who we are is, is everyth- shattered, isn't it? I mean, we are, our identity is shattered.
1: A reflection of what we are to ourselves is a reflection of how other people perceive us. Yeah. But it's how we choose to be perceived by them. So it's like back and forth and back and forth and back.
3: Yes. And if you're an artist, of course, or someone who wants to express yourself, it's much easier, it must have been much easier before, to, you know, the new technology, because now you can actually, you have outlets everywhere. I mean, nothing should be stopping you or is stopping you. You can just publish all the time.
2: Uh, I was in, How does
3: it affect art, uh, you uh, think? I, there's there's was a lot of, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Uh,
2: I was in Reykjavik, in Iceland, yeah. three summers ago, and... This guy there says, well, Iceland is the most literate country on earth. Literally every person is literate, can read. And he said, one in ten Icelanders will write a novel in their lifetime. And I was like, wow, that's really kind of impressive. And he said, yes, but the problem is that it only has nine readers. (laughs) And I, I think in that sense, We are turning into a world of Icelandic novelists. (laughs)
3: Yeah. Yeah. True. (laughs) That was a good line. Yeah. Yeah. But it's because in my world, we are we are asking in in news, in newspapers, we are asking ourselves all the time: Is this new technology? Is it making? Is it is it is it bad or or good for quality? How that everybody can express themselves. Everybody is a journalist. Everybody is is a medium. How is it in art? Is it, is, is well, it better or worse that you have uh, the, all these technolo- technological uh, possibilities? I,
1: in terms of inspiration and t- in terms of tools, it's much easier and more fun with, with the technology that's available to make things. We're both kind of, we both make things a lot. We're very, very busy with our hands. And the public maybe doesn't see a lot of that, because it's not something that they really need to see. But, but it, it provides us with all these tools to create things that just keep a a, a, a hyperactive mind busy. And those things lead to greatness sometimes, sometimes to mediocrity, but we hope it leads to something that I would want to present to the public. Um, I wanna think about a different system. And this is an idea, and it's something that I read. There are two things. So one is about uh, media and uh, how information comes to us. And the other is about capitalism and how, Maybe we've arrived at a part of the arc of capitalism, which is somewhere near the end, where we are the ultimate commodity. Product. We are the ultimate product. And this technology that we've created, it's like asking, did slow motion in film come before slow motion came to us in dreams? Or were we Mm -hmm. trying to recreate our dreams by creating cameras that could work in slow motion? Or did we never dream in slow motion until film? Well, maybe we're at that point in capitalism where we are the ultimate product and, and this technology is simply supportive of that. Well, I, I think it, it's about
2: capitalism, it's also about democracy, in that we're now seeing you know, through votes, like in Turkey, for example, people saying, well, you know, Maybe you don't need democracy in order to be free. I mean, that was one of the great assumptions of the 20th century: is like can't be free without democracy. And now people are re- rejecting democracy, and maybe that's another sort of final, sort of late-stage capitalism phenomena. And you know, you end up as a completely atomized individual, a, a seed in information bathtub, what have you. Uh, I'm an optimist too but I do think we have a bit more atomization to go as individuals and uh, the big question of the 21st century is is the internet going to favor the individual or is it going to favor the mob or maybe some hyper object we don't know that even exists yet and I think right now we're going back and forth like yeah like like Arab Spring yay and then like like
3: so one, w- one of your sentences uh, from your ideas of the 21st century is called Shedding Democracy uh, Might Be Necessary. Say that, say that. Shedding Democracy yes. Might Be A Good Thing. Uh, or yeah. Might Be Necessary. It, I was Why, what do you mean by that? Because so um, it sounds quite uh, alarming. It, it was num-
2: along with a number of other statements about democracy that you can either accept or reject, but there's certainly ideas that are out there. Uh, it's... I've just noticed about the world that the stupider an idea is, the easier it is to believe it. And I don't know, it's like this stupid part of our humanity, that we just, we, we just accept the dumbest ideas as true, and I think democracy is one of the best ideas we've ever had. And God if you lose that what are you going to have but maybe we should brace ourselves for that. Mm-hmm. So you you're, you're super political.
1: What? You're super political yeah. and in a way that I'm not. I'm super simple as well though in my understanding of good and bad and and, and how things should be. Yeah. But as you said earlier we're both opti- I mean I think part of the part of the chemistry between us as as lifelong friends is our ultimate optimism.
3: Okay, so let's round this up with a little film that you sent uh, also, uh, Mike. It's uh, it's called IMG movie. And uh, then after we see it, you can uh, explain what's, what's in it.
2: Okay, what the hell was that? Well,
3: <laughs> <laughs> That was uh, Mike Stive there doing that uh, film. Not, not you actually, in the film, but uh, what is it about?
1: I thought Chrissy DHK was from Denmark because of the DK at the end. So it, <laughs> f- it felt appropriate to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I love it that we are at a place where technology provides us with the ability to do this, to, to be to be that guy or that they or that girl, however that person, however Chrissy defines him, her, they self. Um, I think the 21st century has given us not only this kind of shattering, and we all need to question what does this mean ultimately for us and for our children and for the next generation or for politics or for art, um, but the 21st century has given us um, the ability to look at um, shattering other things like uh, what is gender? What is identity? Who are, who are we to ourselves, if reflected in other people? Or who are we to ourselves? I just love it that there's a freedom that allows Chrissy DHK to be Chrissy DHK. Uh, and I find that quite uh, revolutionary. It's transgressive, for sure. It's, it's quite vulgar, but it's also funny and sweet. And um, it's a complete lack of ego that allowed Chrissy DHK yeah. to post this on YouTube. Yeah. And for me to then bring it to you.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but the conclusion for, for both of, of both of you is that you are optimistic in spite of of what what technology and new reality politics politics well, is giving us.
2: Well, I'll say we grew up in the same exact same cultural moment uh, in the 1970s. Uh, any movie that talked about the future, it was a dystopian nightmare, polluted beyond all recognition. And, and it was relentless, probably just because it's, it's cheaper and easier to make film sets look like a shitty future instead of a good future. So I thought 2000 like we were going to be living in just toxic stew and it wasn't that bad. And then 2010 and things are actually really good right now and they're getting better. I mean, we really are. All right. Where this whole festival is about better ideas.
3: Maybe we should uh, end this uh, celebrating that with taking a selfie of uh, all of us uh, and then say goodbye. So if you could just please stand up with me in the middle, and then how... I'm not sure how this works because I'm I not... I show you. Yeah. Oh, ah, here. Yeah. Okay, you take it.
2: Yeah. Heads only, people
3: only... Like like the say, say hello and wave. Great. Oh, hang on. There All right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Michael man. Stipe and Douglas Copeland, everybody. Thank Please. you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you very
1: much.